Welcome to the other side of midnight. Your host tonight is going to be Robert Morningstar. If Robert uh, unmutes his microphone. Yes, Robert is here. I'm uh, very happy to be on the other side of midnight. Thank you for that introduction, Keith. Uh, things are a little bit up in the air. As you know, Richard Hoagland is the host of the show, and unfortunately, sadly, he is a bit under the weather today, and I'm I'm very disappointed because Richard and I have worked on this show for about two weeks and planning it, and uh, it he he agreed that it is so important that it has to go on. Most many times we postpone shows, but this is of such important uh, important value to to everyone to the world that we are going to go on. And of course, the subject today is the Corona pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic that seems to be spreading across China and slowly leaking, which is a good word for how it works, uh, how coronavirus attacks a human cell and leaks the life out of it. Uh, my co-host tonight is going to be John Francis. And John R. Francis is a retired college mathematics professor who specialized in statistics and experimental design. He also has degrees in physics and psychology. In the early 1970s, John served in the Pacific 7th Fleet as a U.S. Naval officer aboard a guided missile destroyer. In 1975, he had a profound near-death experience that permanently expanded his mind out of its previous limited rational boundaries. He now views life as a highly purposeful and multidimensional evolutionary expression of one universal consciousness. His areas of metaphysical expertise include sacred geometry, spiritual self-defense, and heart-centered meditation. Furthermore, he has deciphered numerical codes that unlock the deepest secrets of key religious scriptures. John is the author of The Mystic Way of Radiant Love. Welcome, John. Thank you for being on the show and co-hosting with me. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to welcome our mystery guest. Uh, Richard mentioned that he had a mystery guest in mind. And, um, well, here's the mystery guest. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Olaf over the last few days and uh, exchanging ideas and uh, information on the coronavirus. We did a program this afternoon, my own program on Revolution Radio, and I asked him to come back to share with us the most comprehensive uh, timeline of uh, the coronavirus dispersion. And I'm using that word intentionally because the article that I wrote called Corona Unmasked shows that this uh, was a military military bioengineered weapon that got out of hand uh, in Wuhan. There's also the story of the connection between famous universities here in the West that facilitated the development of the BSL-4, Biosafety Levels 4 laboratory in Wuhan that was assembled for them by a Harvard professor, and the role of the Canadian National Microbiology Labs also in leaking information and uh, the stealing of specimens. And I'm hoping that our friend Andrew Curry 
who just brought this information to me will be on the show a little bit later on when we can connect with him. But first, I'd like to turn to John and uh, welcome him to the show and, and ask him for some opening comments on his views of the coronavirus pandemic as it's unfolding. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Okay. Uh, well, I, of course, like everyone else, I was wondering how, how this all started. And uh, one of the keys for me was to see some uh, uh, research data that um, indicated that this SARS virus, uh, um, excuse me, this uh, coronavirus is a bioengineered hybrid of um, SARS and uh, HIV, HIV. And um, recently I've also heard some possibility that there's a um, hepatitis connection there. So it's quite a mix. And uh, the insights from um, Dr. Francis Boyle, which is my item number one, um, has really been very helpful. He, he's the person who drafted the bioweapons law signed um, by the House and Senate. And he's, that's his opinion, that this has been uh, engineered and accidentally released. Yes, uh, I was, um, I've been monitoring. He's been on the air. He was on with InfoWars. And, and this interview that you have, I'm sure, is uh, equal, if not better, because uh, so much information is coming out. So Dr. Francis Boyle described, he used a remarkable word. He described this novel coronavirus as a chimera. And, um, you know, chimera is a kind of strange, fantastical creature, uh, you know, kind of a nightmarish creature. So it's an, it's an excellent word to describe this. While we're on the subject, I'll just give you a, a little briefing. Uh, Dr. Boyle discovered the proof of the engineering of this in, uh, in um, a monograph that's called the spike glycoprotein of the new coronavirus 2019 contains a furin-like cleavage site absent in coronaviruses of the same clade. Okay, that's a very technical language uh, expressing the discovery that there is a furin-like cleavage site. This, this is a furin is a protein that is released to activate certain genes. And if the furin is not released, the, the genes become uh, stay dormant. I had the analogy of um, the furin cleaving away um, the, the gene and allowing it to express itself very much like having a boat uh, tied down at a, at a pier by lines and to release the boat, you have to cut the line. So furin cleaves, cleaves the, the genetic code and allows insertions. And this is what they're talking about. It says it is, it does not contain the same um, her heredity, you might say, of the regular coronavirus. It says 219 uh, covirus protein sequence has a specific furin-like cleavage site absent in the lineage of beta 
coronaviruses, including SARS coronavirus sequences. So it is, this may be the mechanism whereby the HIV was inserted into it in order to weaponize it and make it spread more quickly. So I'll turn it back to you, John, just uh, explaining some of the technical uh, elements of, of the discovery that Dr. Boyle made. And Dr. Boyle uh, speaks about uh, gain of function. That's a term he, he, he uses to explain the increased uh, intensity exactly. of, of this virus. May I read one more sentence which relates sure, to that? Sure, go ahead. It says, the furin-like cleavage site in the S protein of 219 novel coronavirus may have implications for the viral life cycle and pathogenicity. It means that this, this alteration may affect how long the virus lives and also pathogenicity, its, its uh, lethality, its deadliness. So, John, I'll turn it back to you again. Yeah. Um... Dr. Dr. Boyle is very um, critical about the way the uh, bioweapons labs are are, are are managed throughout the throughout the world. He actually feels that they should be uh, sh- shut down. And what happened was after uh, 9/11, he identified um, the. Um, the break, uh, the, the um, what should I say it? The anthrax outbreak is coming from a bioweapons lab, U.S. lab, and um, after that, he's he's been uh, uh, blacklisted from the media. So he's, uh, you know, he appears on alternate media, but that's that's unfortunately what's happened to him. That's part of what we're seeing. The information in this whole crisis, which is very unfortunate because we need good information and we need the truth if we're going to get to the the root of the problem. Yes, indeed. Uh, You mentioned this uh, anthrax and how Dr. Boyle discovered that it came from uh, an American laboratory. Actually, it came from an American military installation at Fort Detrick, Maryland, which which houses our Biowarfare, um, biowarfare development labs, same BSL four uh, mm-hmm. intense security labs. I wonder, John, if you would like to review, perhaps just uh, briefly, if you know how we, we everyone knows that we recruited um, uh, paperclip Nazis, but mm-hmm. not many people know that we had a whole bunch of paperclip Japanese as well, and Satoru Ishii was the principal one. Uh, Ishii was in charge of a Japanese bio-warfare program in China. And this is how it all, it all returns to source tonight. In, during World War II, the Japanese set up bio... Uh, it was called germ warfare in those days. So it's called germ warfare experimental laboratories in Manchuria. And the reason that they chose Manchuria was that Manchuria was populated by representatives of every race on earth. It was really an amazing um, crossroads. And there they were able to test their their vile products 
on living living patients. They did uh, they infected Chinese people and Russians and uh, any variety of uh, racial types with these virulent uh, bacteria. And then they decided to try to wipe out the Chinese population because, you know, the Japanese were on the same trip as the Germans about Lebensraum. And the Japanese are more hard-pressed for land than uh, the Germans were. So they saw expansion into China as absolutely necessary. And domination of China involved genocide, involved mass extermination of millions of Chinese and they killed more than 10 million Chinese during World War II. But what they did is they took the, this, um, this germ warfare research, they infected bed bugs, and they made bed bug bombs that they then uh, dropped all over China. And actually, they infected it with the plague. And that was the first uh, intense uh, germ warfare weapon. And so that has continued after World War II. The United States, instead of hanging Ishii and his cohorts like it did to the Nazis, it hired them to come to the United States and establish the Biowarfare Laboratory at Fort Detrick, Maryland. And that's uh, where we come back to this story and uh, modern-day battles between nations. Uh, germ warfare targeted the, gen- the engineering, genetic engineering of targeted viruses race-specific targeted viruses. And so we're going to talk a lot about uh, more about that in a bit. We've got a long show. So uh, let's go on to John and his the second item. If you're finished with the first item, let's go on. I, or, just, wanted to, I just wanted to mention, uh, first of all, I want to let you know that I am hearing an echo of, of my own voice. So if I stumble sometimes, that's what's happening. I'm, I'm hearing an echo in return. So, but you hear me fine so, so that I can proceed. Yeah, I hear no echo. Okay, that's fine. Well, what Dr. Boyle also mentioned was he said that SARS was also an accidental release, and he c- claimed that Lyme disease also was a uh, accidental release from a lab, a Plum Island lab, which is off the coast of Connecticut, uh, the town of Lyme, Connecticut. So that's where the uh, name Lyme disease comes from. So he's really critical. He's on a mission that these weapons labs are very, very dangerous. Absolutely. uh, I flew over Plum Island many times. It's in the middle of Long Island Sound. And it's about halfway between Connecticut and Long Island. And it's really hard to understand how a bug could have gotten off that island, you know, and into, into infect the deer population. It's, um, it's a terrible affliction, and it's uh, spirochete, the, the, the Lyme disease uh, bug is a spirochete, and so it's related to syphilis. So it's a terrible thing to be afflicted. With, but fortunately, people over the last 30 years, um, doctors, medicine has found some treatments to it, but it's uh, a very debilitating condition. Yeah, now, there are several people who, who've had that disease, and it's very, um, you know, 
It's hard to get rid of. Very hard to get rid of. Fucking fatal. Yes. Now, the the cover story. Let's get to the cover story. China is uh, pretending that this is an ordinary virus and that um, they've got it under control. But I see you've uh, got an article from the New York Post. Don't buy China's story. You <laughs> leaked from a lab. Well, yeah. Don't we're going to hear another uh, story a bit later on in the program, in the second hour. I'm going to tell you about Corona Unmasked and right. the confession, mm-hmm. confession of a Chinese military intelligence officer mm-hmm. dealing yeah, with, with real nature. Read that article. Mm-hmm. So tell us, tell us now about these. Um, post. Yeah, the Post. Post uh, article. Yeah. New York Post. Uh, basically. What jumped out at me, I mean, a lot of it is a summary of of the other information that's coming out. But what really jumped out out at me was the theory was proposed by the author that the way this spread was that when the laboratory did work on animals like uh, monkeys, for example, the protocol state that the animals must be burned. But what the author is claiming is that what, what the, some of the lab workers did, they actually took the, the animals and sold them at the uh, Wuhan market. And <laughs> that's how it got spread. Actually, they, actually, there was one person mentioned who actually was, was criminally prosecuted and he made something like a million dollars from doing this over a period of time. A million dollars so, selling um, animals, animal specimens in the in the Wuhan meat market. There may have been other. You know, yeah, other uh, well, you know, there's a story. Do you know anything about the bat story? They say that this thing migrated into humans via bats, and that the bats were sold uh, in the meat market. And some people. Are referring to it as exotic meats. I guess that's about exo- as exotic as, as it gets, eating bats. However, uh, a lot of people don't believe that story. They, they don't think it, uh, it washes, and uh, neither do I. Uh, no, I, agree. I agree with that. Uh, another story, another um, hypothesis, and they both may be true is that at this lab, when they would dispose of rubber gloves and suits in the trash, that they weren't very secure. And people would go in there, retrieve the, uh, those items, and then also sell them at the uh, fish market, the wet market, because they would use gloves for handling the fish and so forth. So, well... If anybody has ever been to a Chinatown in San Francisco or New York and gone near their fish markets, you'll see that uh, the health code is not the same as uh, the New York health code or the the, the national standards. It's uh, really a, a reeking cesspool of decaying, of decaying matter. And I, I always walk on the other side of the street when I visit. Chinatown here in New York to get over the Mott Street as they have because the, the stench is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah. 
we when have I was in the Navy. I went to um, I guess you'd call it a, a, a wet restaurant where the fish were live and you'd catch them. And I was seeing rats running around. <laughs> so I was kind of shocked by that. Oh, yeah, the stories, uh, there are a lot of horror stories surrounding uh, meat preparation in different cultures. I don't mm-hmm. even want to get into what I, I just saw <laughs> recently, recently in Africa. Now, let's see. We have, uh, we have nine minutes uh, till the break. So I was wondering, uh, it will be a, a good segue if you introduce your item number three, and then I will introduce the mystery guest who wrote it uh, to bring him onto the show. Okay, what, what that item is, is a very, very excellent um, chronology of all the events um, of this virus outbreak. So I really um, want to thank thank all of the guests for for doing this because there's so much information out there. It's extremely helpful to 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 get this timeline down because when you have a timeline, you can make some educated uh, hypotheses about what exactly is happening. Yes. Uh- as I said, uh, the mystery guest was my guest this afternoon, and he has compiled a most excellent chronology, uh, a chronicle of what I call the dispersion of this uh, virus, and involves a lot of. Uh, it's it was not so innocent as uh, most people would like to think of just a bug getting out of a laboratory by accident. So if if Olav is on. Uh, now let's let's bring him on now, and perhaps we can begin this chronology. I will state that I learned about this in late December, and I kept and and it was an isolated incident that happened in Hawaii. I have a very dear friend named Tommy in Hawaii, whom I hope is listening, and he and I often share information uh, on on many levels. Sometimes it's UFOs, sometimes it's paranormal, and. In this case, it was the story of a December 12th landing of an airplane from China in Hawaii. And 14 people got off the airplane, and then Tommy told me that 12 of them had died and that authorities had clamped down on the story and were not allowing it to be reported, but uh, that this had happened. And I said to him, well, damn, how do you, if it's so secret, how do you know it happened? And he says, because I know one of the two survivors. She was on the plane and she came off with 14 people and only she and another person survived. So that was at New Year's, the turn of the year. And I kind of mulled over the story and sat on it. And then uh, I had our friend Andrew Curry as co-host. And during the course of that um, show about five or six weeks ago, we kind of stumbled upon this story of the, the role of the Canadian National Microbiology Lab in this contributing something through espionage to to this story. So I would like uh, to invite Olav to come on now. Uh, we have, um, let's say, about eight minutes. Excuse me, we have about seven minutes. But it's enough time for us to introduce him and for him to uh, bring some information on the chronology. And then I'll, I'll backtrack a little farther back than December 12th. Back to my birthday, as a matter of fact. So, Olaf, welcome to the program, The Other Side of Midnight. It's great to have you on. 
Thank you. It's it's very nice to be on. So if you'd like, uh, you can give us a cursory reading of that chronology, and then we can come back after the break <coughs> uh, pick up on it. Okay. So the the story really starts on December 31st of 2019. The, um, and I'll, I'll read kind of what I have here. The World Health Organization re- received its first report of pneumonia uh, from the Wuhan area of China. China reported that the pneumonia had been contracted. Between December 12th and December 19th, the cases were reported by uh, Wuhan Municipal Health. On January 1st, Chinese authorities closed the the Hunan seafood market, wholesale market, and fingered it as a potential source of the outbreak. January 5th, China announces the cases are not SARS or MERS, but something new, and they are investigating. January 7th, China identifies the virus, a novel coronavirus, a new coronavirus labeled 2019 NCOV by the World Health Organization. Uh, <clears throat> January 9th, a 61-year-old man dies in China after being exposed to the virus. On January 11th, uh, China an- announces the first NCOV death of the 61-year-old man. So he had died on the 9th, and China reported it on the 11th. January 13th, Thailand reports its first case, the Chinese national who had flown in from Wuhan. Uh, January 16th, Japan confirms their first infection, a Japanese man who had visited Wuhan. January 17th, China confirms a second death, prompting the U.S. to start screenings at San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York, as well as other countries. Uh, January 20th, China reports 139 new cases and a third death, while the National Institute of Health announces that they are working on a vaccine. January 21st, Washington State confirms the first case on U.S. soil. January 22nd, China announces Wuhan will temporarily close all transport terminals, rail, air, etc., and announces the death toll has increased to 17, while the infection rate has now increased to 547. January 23rd, uh, the WHO meets and determines NCOV is not an international public health emergency. China cancels all large Lunar New Year celebrations. January 26th, the Beijing Cultural and Tourism Bureau cancels all tours, including international ones. That's a huge deal because they basically shut down all the tour, the tour visas into China. <clears throat> January 28th, uh, Xi Jinping meets with the WHO Director General and, and agrees to send in a special team, including people from the CDC, to investigate the outbreak. By the way, that's only happening now. They're they're now allowing those people in. January 29th, the White House announces a new task force to investigate and ensure up-to-the-minute information. January 30th, which is pretty much one month from when it was initially announced, U.S. reports first person-to-person transmission of the virus, and then it's not, and that's not supposed to happen. And then additionally, on January 31st, Reuters published that pretty much all the airlines from Rwanda Air on up to Emirates and Delta and Virgin Atlantic, they all started canceling all their flights into China. So that's kind of, you know, as of January 31st, within one calendar month, the Chinese militarily isolated three cities inside of China. The uh, infection rate had skyrocketed. And 
you know, that all happened within 30 days, which I, I find stunning myself. Right. Well, thank you for that chronology. We'll pick up on it uh, when we return after the break. We have about 30 seconds uh, <clears throat> before we, we go for the complete break. So, John. Yes. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you have a 15-minute comment on what you just heard. I think it goes back much earlier, as a matter of fact. As I said, December 12th was when the first case was reported. Actually, we're running out. We're, counting down. we're down to the last five seconds. So, folks, hang in there. This is the other side of midnight. We're taking a break, and we will be back in a short time. Star sitting in for Richard Hoagland, and I'm with my guests John Francis and Olaf Phillips. And so, I'm, coming out of the break, this caught my eye. And so, I'd like to turn to John Francis to talk about Cyrus A. Parsa on the AI manipulation of coronavirus data. And uh, this is something we'll cover uh, 
the the role of artificial intelligence in Chinese affairs is gargantuan. So I'm very interested to hear what John has to say about this AI manipulation of coronavirus. John? Okay. Thank you for asking. Um, well, Cyrus is quite a special and unusual individual. I, uh, he, what caught my attention was, as a youth, he lived in China and studied uh, internal martial arts with the monks there in the mountains. And he's someone who has an understanding of technology, artificial intelligence, but also the inner um, subtle anatomy of the human body. Body, uh, the uh, meridians, uh, the chi meridians, and so forth, and also how uh, 5G can be used. The 5G network can be used to influence uh, negatively, in particular, um, and even cause heart attacks and disease and so forth. And that what I'm linked to is on its website, and he's talking about how artificial intelligence is being used to monitor the flow, monitor and regulate the flow of information uh, um, during this coronavirus uh, crisis, epidemic, trying to make sure that a certain scenarios about how this virus came about are highlighted on various searches and anything that's away from the mainstream uh, scenario is being blocked, which, you know, is not very good. If we have a, if we have an epidemic, what we really need is true and accurate information and not, uh, you know, some censoring. Right. You know, Richard and I had a conversation about two weeks ago about how the Chinese are fudging the data, cooking the books. And it has to do with the mortality rate. At the time, uh, I was, I've been researching this uh, for ooh, quite a bit now. And it's always uh, cited as 2.3%. Uh, 2.3%, 3% at the highest. And Richard said they have to be lying. And he said the mortality rate has to be much higher. And I said, but you see, they're saying that this, uh, they've got this number of infections and this number of people died. But Richard astutely pointed out, he said, that's not the way you should gauge it. You should gauge it by how many people got sick and how many people survived. So this is the ruse. The Chinese, in order to minimize the impact, of the real data of the mortality rate, which according to this Chinese military officer is nearly 100% in, in the cases that he saw or experienced. So the Chinese, if you have a thousand cases and 500 people die, then you have a 50% mortality rate. But if you go around and snatch every person who's got a sniffle, a cold, a cough, a sneeze, and claim that they got the coronavirus and crank it up to 50,000 in quote-unquote infected, then you've reduced the mortality rate 
effectively, statistically, fake newsly uh, by a factor of 10. So many people believe that the Chinese are in fact doing this to hide the, the magnitude, uh, the severity of the crisis. And Robert, so now, I, yes, go ahead, John. Um, that 2 to 3% figure, mortality figure, is actually the mortality figure for an ordinary uh, flu uh, season. I, I looked it up. So if you look, though, at how they're reacting to this with the um, tremendous lockdowns, uh, the interruption in the whole economic life, it doesn't jive with that percentage because the percentage they're, uh, they're putting out is what you expect in a normal uh, flu season, yet their actions are anything but normal. So right there, that tells me there's a disconnect between um, the numbers and reality. You're absolutely right. And, you know, the numbers that uh, are frightening people are very small. To be honest with you, I was uh, watching Fox News and uh, Dr. Barney Siegel. He pointed out the coronavirus strikes every year. There's a flu epidemic somewhere every year. And then, in fact, in the United States last year, 62,000 people died of the flu. So, and of course, it's people who are more susceptible. They always cite that it's the the elderly, the weak, uh, people who have a history of uh, cardiopulmonary illnesses. Uh, and again, that's to minimize the impact because the people that are dying are young, healthy uh, individuals. In in my items uh, on, uh, on the website there, I have several uh, heartbreaking, actually, heartbreaking videos that were snuck out of China and some of them depict people tied like cattle and being driven down the street captured, tied up uh, and uh, being uh, bludgeoned, cudgeled into uh, isolation. I saw a very disturbing video. Of course, the, the main video is called Corona Unmasked. It's linked to an article that I wrote or uh, translated by the same name. That would be my item number one. May it's I, a- John, one moment, please? I'd yes. like to share with the audience how to get to the page. So you go to the other side of midnight.com. And there you'll see the banner for tonight's show. It's February 23rd. And it's the is China spiraling corona epidemic, in fact, an escaped bioweapon. So that's the show banner. You click on that, and it'll take you to where you see Robert's items. You can click on the fast links to navigate around the page and get to the guest items. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, navigation. It's... Uh... Important to know. There's so much information. Um, the uh, the top uh, part says Balu uh, Guangzhuang Bingdu. That's how they say coronavirus exposure in China. And I would like to say this um, this article I have translated into English and Chinese. The leaker 
an, an unnamed, actually, he gave himself a, a pseudonym, a pen name, and uh, translates into Wuhan virus was thrown away, or Wuhan virus was dispersed, or Wuhan virus was dropped. He reveals that he is a high-ranking Chinese military intelligence officer with knowledge, high-level knowledge of the coronavirus. He reveals that it was intentional, that it was developed in the Wuhan laboratory, and that it was specifically targeted, was being engineered and targeted to be dropped in Hong Kong in order to debilitate and incapacitate the Hong Kong rioters. They thought that we'll take care of these people by giving them a really bad cold and that'll stop the street demonstrations. So they engineered this chimera and they went out into Western China where they have a concentration camps of Uyghurs, Chinese Muslims, who are being uh, re-educated, as they say, rehabilitated uh, by forced indoctrination. And they tested it on the Uyghurs. And they found that after a few days after infection, that they became completely debilitated, a very painful uh, unfolding of the disease. They became demented, suicidal, and ultimately died agonizing deaths. And the Chinese uh, military realized, my God, this is too lethal. We, We just wanted to give the the Hong Kong people, a big headache, you know, but not, we don't want to kill them outright. So now here's the coincidence. I got a report this morning that the Chinese government has announced the coronavirus has made its way into the prison system. And my comment this afternoon when I read that report was, oh, how convenient. Folks, this is a master plan by the Chinese to try to save their economies. They are on the ropes. President Trump turned the tables on them, and they are economically on the ropes. And as a result, they have to cut costs. They have to pare down their population. We think of it as a tremendous tragedy to lose thousands of people. The Chinese leadership, to them, it's a boon. It's a blessing because their problem is people. And so... The suspicion is now that I have is that they infected the prisoners in order to cut their overhead. Do you know, do you have any idea of how much it would take to feed, house, and clothe over a million prisoners? And in their straits, economically foreseeing the collapse of their economy, economy, perhaps, they have started to call their population. The other thing that I point out, the political nature of this operation in China, is that it is also a very convenient tool to use to get rid of uh, opposition, political dissidents. By having, they already have their lists of political uh, dissidents. All they have to do, and they are doing it, they're knocking on the door and saying, hey, you have a sniffle, you have a cold, you have a sneeze. Oh, you have a fever. Now imagine the Chinese police coming into your door and banging the hell out of your door, demanding that you open it. And you know that, that basically there's a death outside the door. You have a death or a torture if you're on the wrong side of it. So what's going to happen? The person's adrenaline starts running through their bodies. 
And I know that when I've ever had an adrenaline overload, I get hot. I feel like I'm on fire inside. So they're coming in and taking the temperature of the person and saying, oh, you've got a fever. You sneeze. You have a sneeze. You have a, sn- a sniffle. You're coming with us. And as I said, it, there are some very tragic uh, videos that I've included there. And one of them is of a young man in his high-rise apartment. The Chinese medical police come in and say, you're coming with us. Step this way. And he says, uh, hold on a second. Uh, I have to do something. Walks over to the window, opens the window, and the window to his death, rather than be taken into custody by the Chinese medical police. So I worked for three days to translate this whistleblower's leak to the Western world back into Chinese. And because I think the Chinese people have to read this, have to be aware of what their government is doing to them. And I'm very happy to say that I am, this article is nearing 1 million views since, uh, 1 million views since uh, Valentine's Day. Because in fact, I, I really wrote it as a Valentine's Day card to the Chinese people. We stand now at uh, 977,580 views, and I would ask the audience of uh, this side of midnight, if you would, to try to help me make a million, if not tonight, definitely by tomorrow. So if you would go to ufospotlight.wordpress.com, you'll see, or just click the link that we have on the page, for Corona Unmasked, Chinese intelligence officer reveals true magnitude of China's fake coronavirus crisis. Now, when I use the word fake corona crisis, I'm not saying that it's not real. I'm saying that what the Chinese intelligence officer says is that the cover story is fake. That's the point. The Chinese have been lying, the Chinese government, and I make great distinction between the Chinese government and the Chinese people. I have a great love and affection for the Chinese people and Chinese culture. I have no love for communist lies and communist oppression. So I would like to uh, turn to John. You read the article, John. Perhaps uh, you have a few questions on it. Or Olav, I don't know if you had a chance to read the article. Either one, you can chip in. John? Yes, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, yes, I, I did read the article, and uh, the, the whistleblower was very courageous to uh, to do that. And I did have a question about this idea of control. First of all, you know, there's a saying, don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. So what you're describing really is some accident, unintended consequence, and then there's an opportunity to round up dissidents and do do all kinds of things. So that's what you're describing there. But the question I had was the intention was to create a um, biochemical agent that would basically pacify the protesters in Hong Kong or create what, what he called the dim, diminished cognitive function. And 
I am wondering why, if that was the case, they would go to something that was contagious, that would spread beyond the target population, when they could have used something like um, putting fluoride, fluoride in the water or some other chemicals in the water or just something to spray on the crowd that would not be um, contagious. So I'm wondering I, I, actually I if I, there's some intentional or unintentional disinformation. Because well, I don't have an answer for that. I hear Olaf has a, a comment okay. on that. Go ahead, okay, Olaf. Go ahead. Yeah. So one one of the very interesting things in this whole process is as this thing is blowing up, you know, once you introduce some sort of a bioweapon into a population, you know, you can only control it so much. As much as you engineer it, it mutates. So, you know, it's a very dangerous thing to do because it, it, it could tumble out of control. But one of the very interesting things is as they're flying back, you know, U.S., personnel from China and they're putting them in El Toro and Miramar and here in Travis to wait out the incubation periods. We're hearing these stories about these people trapped on the the ocean liners. I think it was three or four ocean liners. Trump comes out and he says, well, oh, you know what, everybody, don't worry. It's not a big deal. The Chinese have told me it's going to end in April. You know, it's it's peaked and it's going to end in April. And then not long after that, the Chinese government fronted a virologist who they build as one of the top virologists in the country. And he comes out and he says, Oh yeah, yeah, it's peaked. It's going to end in April. Well, I'm, I'm highly unlikely to believe that it's peaked and it doesn't appear to have peaked, but you know, I'm not a virologist or, or, you know, an immunologist, so I, I can't say for certain. But what I will say is that it's very interesting that they picked April because, you know, that's a, that's, you know, four months and change from when it started and it makes me think that this idea that it is a it is some sort of an engineered chimera that there's a time bomb in it because you know the chinese are obviously completely committed to this idea that it's just going to magically stop in april for some reason and they're telling other people if they told trump no doubt they told the the europeans and the canadians and you know, and the Japanese and the Thais and and the Russians and everybody else who's had somebody who's been inflicted with this thing and died, they're telling everybody, yeah, yeah, it's going to end in April. And I think at this point in in late February, it's it's a very dangerous um, assumption to make, unless you know something that I don't. And I think what they know is that they put a time bomb in it because you would have to. If you didn't put a time bomb in something like this. It's going to spin out of control. So I, I think I think you mean, a, to your, you mean a self-termination, a self-termination yeah. code that is going to kill exactly. itself and die out. That's a very yeah. interesting theory. Uh, President Trump has to uh, walk a tightrope, you know, in diplomacy right now. Things are uh, very edgy between the U.S. and China. And his statement that way again: politicians have to placate public fear and paranoia. Pardon the expression. Pardon the expression to the publisher of Paranoia Magazine. But I appreciate that. It's also very important to note that Richard pointed out last week, and he was going to point out this week, that the president has formally asked the National Academy of Sciences to determine the exact source, the exact uh, 
origin of of this virus. So it shows that while he may be publicly uh, accepting graciously the Chinese uh, excuse and uh, consolation that it might be over in uh, in April, he's still acting. Uh, oh, he's hedging his best. Yeah, well, he's got to. He has to. Any any politician. Any politician or world world leader, you know, is going to is going to do that. But you know, it's a stunning thing to have, you know, people in power, whether it's Xi Jinping and the, this virologist in China, or Trump or anybody else, come out and say, "Well, it's going to end in April." Mm-hmm. Especially when the World Health Organization, the people that ignored it when it was starting, and said, "Yeah, yeah, it's not a big deal." Now the head of the the WHO is saying that this whole this whole Wuhan thing is more dangerous than terrorism, and there's a there's a Harvard epidemiologist who you know I I spoke about this in our earlier interview that he in a now deleted tweet you know he talked about the spreadability of it as being thermonuclear bad, you know and and now we're hearing that it's it's 400 times more transmittable than the flu, so. You know, yes. to say it's going to end in April, that's, that makes me think that there's some sort of self-destruct within the, the actual virus itself. Yes. Going back to Richard's uh, first item, I uh, feel uh, we really should cover this. Uh, it says Chinese researchers just confirmed that patients can transmit the coronavirus without showing symptoms, and a woman passed it to five relatives. So they're using the number five, you know, of course, uh, we know about numerology and all of that. And, uh, however, uh, down in my items, there is a report from a nurse in Wuhan and there are two photographs in there for you to recognize. She's wearing a mask and goggles and she's in a, basically a containment suit. And she says that they found that, that this virus is so virulent that one person will affect 14, not five. So again, you see, the Chinese are trying to keep the number, the number game really low in order to not oh, show yeah. the world. But it's a really big difference with having uh, geometric expansions based on fives. You know, like well, five, they're, twenty-five and fourteen times fourteen is quite another story. Well, and and they're now finding super transmitters that don't have any symptoms at all. Yeah, that's right. They they found super transmitters, you know. In the case of one guy, I think he infected over forty people. Yeah. Well, that's the case of Typhoid Mary, a famous right. case in uh, the eighteen hundreds or turn of the century in New York. This lady, uh, her name was Mary. She was maid, and she had typhus, but had no symptoms, and so she was spreading the typhus uh, to the general population. There's an island here in New York that's still condemned. You can't set foot on it. Uh, where they took all of the people uh, and concentrated them, which is another part of the story, the lockdown of cities. I just received word that there are certain European cities are starting lockdowns. There's an outbreak in northern Italy, which to me, as I see it, is the largest outbreak in Europe at the moment. They claim about 113 cases or more now growing in northern Italy, so they're shutting down some cities there. But I see this this scare as the perfect opportunity for any any uh, government with uh, 
domineering and tyrannical intentions to use it uh, to do anything they want, really. Pretty and, much. yeah, the sad thing about these videos, you know, is, is the coercion that you see being imposed on the Chinese people, tied oh, like animals, tied like animals being led down the street, being herded by drones. I've seen, I've seen videos of drones like a malevolent hive of hornets over a group of Chinese people barking orders at them. And some of these drones look armed. As a matter of fact, though no one mentions, I look at it very closely, and it looks like armed drones with loudspeakers herding human beings down the street, forcing them into their um, into the shelters, as they're calling them. Right. But well, there's, the, uh, the shelters are not shelters. They are crematoria. Well, there, there's a there's a, a photo that's been released now, and it shows two um, two policemen and the body, and uh, just on the side of the street. And basically, what had happened was there was an old man, and he was infected with coronavirus, and he literally just dropped dead on the street. And what's kind of disturbing about it is that they're just ignoring the body. They just left the body where it was, and they're just kind of like standing around. Well, they have and, to. They don't want to get contaminated. That's right. But at the same time, you don't see anybody rushing to do anything about it. It's just kind of like, well, he's dead. You know, well, I'm just going to make sure nobody touches it. Yeah, Wuhan is not New York, folks. You know, when somebody drops in New York City, you know, 10 people will jump and, and call 911 and start attending. It's a very, very different scene that we're discussing in regard to Chinese society. The... Um, the plight of the Chinese people is very sad under under this regime. They have suffered long enough, and it's my hope that this thing will be stabilized. There is always a good that comes out of terrible catastrophes, and I believe, as I speak a little later on on the program, that this that the coronavirus could be China's Chernobyl. We have a few seconds before the break, uh, as we are. We have the countdown at five. Four, three, two, one. We'll be back right after the break, folks. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today, and when I say we really need you, 
We really need you. Over and out.